0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 281 on Tuesday, the 15th of October, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where some companies are realizing that pie in the sky ideas do not come with a rotor blade, we'll be asking whether one man's dream was reality or was it just fantasy. We also find out that MPs want to acclimatise us to paying per mile to drive, and we learn that riding a scooter can be bad for your licence. But first, we have follow-up, and amazingly, not Dieselgate, but this time, the other favorite Gonegate. The chap, Harry Nada, who was a senior vice president at Nissan, who was one of the key whistleblowers, or the key whistleblower, against Carlos Ghosn, has been demoted in Even though he has just gone through an internal investigation and found that there is no evidence against any wrongdoing or naughtiness by him whatsoever. They have done this, and this is in the article of uh, Auto News Europe, which I'm gobsmacked at, frankly. But they have done this aimed to avoid undue suspicion. If he's not guilty, there's yeah. no suspicion, or am I getting things wrong? Maybe it's a cultural thing again and, and I'm not trying to be funny there, maybe there is a cultural thing, yeah, obviously, we over here would be quite miffed at that if that were the case, mm-hmm. but also they've said that they enable him to focus on the important task for the company, such as the forthcoming legal action. <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is that the,
0: uh, uh, the, the you would expect that he would almost get promoted for you know speaking out in uh, uh, you know against the executive misconduct because that's what you do to re- you know that's a way of rewarding people rather than the other way around it's it's really quite strange but you know i'm looking at it from 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 outside japan yeah, it seems a little bit strange. I don't know if this is one of these, yeah, we're going to demote you, but we're not going to pay you any less. But basically, we're going to shame you into leaving of your own accord anyway.
1: Well, he was apparently under severe pressure to leave the company full stop. Uh, I think he's dug his heels in and yeah. gone, well, as I've done nothing wrong, why should I? Which, again, we would mm-hmm. empathize with that entirely. Yeah. So, uh, so, So the more I talk through it, the more I'm thinking there is a definite culture thing here.
0: Yeah. I've been reading a few books on sort of Japanese work culture and, and stuff. And it is it is it is very different. And this could be a way of, of basically, look, you're out, but we're not going to sack you. Mm. But we're going to make it so uncomfortable that you leave anyway, which I always think is incredibly weak.
1: Yes. But there we go. Anyway, should we move to the... Uh, one of the other partners of the Rebel Alliance, Alan?
0: The other member of the Rebel Alliance with an amazing revolving executive door is uh, is Reno, uh, of course. And the latest victim of the revolving executive door is uh, Thierry Bolloré, um, who has essentially just been sacked as the yes. CEO. <laughs> um, and he said he was the victim of a coup. Uh, Where have we heard those words is before? is not some <laughs> large hairy animal that gives you milk. I know, exactly. It's all a bit weird. The former finance director, Clotilde Deboe, former finance director, has been appointed as interim CEO whilst the company looks for a permanent replacement. This, of course, came within 12 hours of us saying, that's good. It all seems to be stabilizing in the alliance and everybody's working together. That's great. But that doesn't really seem to be be
1: it. Again this seems like another one of those like Nissan were trying to do with the appointment they made last week of CEO and COO this seems to be a we're having mm. a complete clean sweep. We want nothing to do with the past. This is fresh going forward, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems really hard on um, Bollier. Bollier. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. That's why you got this article, not me. Uh, yes, I assume that. <laughs> it just seems really harsh and unfair on how he's been treated. And I presume he will take him to the cleaners on the golden handshake front.
0: I imagine he will. he will be kicked out with an adequate cushion. For him to, for, to to land on that, it's, it's, that seems to be the way. Yeah, because
1: this just seems like it's it's nothing to do with your ability. It's just we want you gone.
0: Yeah, okay. uh, we'll, we'll see. This this one will follow through, uh, and, and we'll see this again we'll see this for the next little while so and so this is not going to be the last time we talk about it
1: no but just as a quick note there will be a link in the show notes of, again from automotive news europe discussing how Renault needs to worry about making cars all of a sudden instead of eating themselves like Nissan and has been doing recently so there will be a link yeah. into that with although we're not going to bother discussing it it's it's effectively what we've just been talking about but it's quite a good article too mm. and it's worth clicking through absolutely
0: anyway some new news andrew well yes yeah.
1: New news. New news. Well, new news for the show. But Dyson's electric vehicle project, the plug has been pulled on that, all the puns intended. Apparently, it got very close to the point where it's supposed to be 18 months away from the first cars coming off the production line in Singapore. Although I don't quite understand how that was the case. But anyway, that they then did the final financial calculations on it and worked out that it couldn't be couldn't be achieved something that many in the industry have been questioning whether it was at all possible considering whilst it was a large amount of money just looking at it was a drop in the ocean when it comes to developing a new car let alone a brand let alone a new technology let alone putting everything on solid state batteries Mm -hmm. which was a completely new way of doing things that nobody's got to work yet. So he was trying to do all the news, <laughs> and it worked, they worked out that they, there was just no way they could make money with it. In, in a incredibly brave way, he sent an email to everyone rather than get them all together and tell them personally.
0: Yes, well, there is a thing about Dyson. Dyson, rather than actually show up in person, to say I'm really sorry about this. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about Dyson is, is Dyson, Dyson fails more than he hits, by the way. So to an extent, it's not a it's not a huge surprise. It's just a bigger failure than most, and it's actually public. Okay, there are loads and loads of Dyson ideas which have fallen by the wayside, which have been released, and have quite frankly, uh, I can't use the term sucked. I almost said it unintentionally there. They're just rubbish. Uh, so anybody remembers the Dyson washing machine that was significantly bigger than your standard washing machine, and also about three times the price? Which because of the counter rotating things also had a tendency to shred clothes. It was just there have been a whole run of these and and I get knocked because he's so celebrated as oh look, he's a wonderful designer. He's not he's he's not actually. He's not at all. That's a completely non that's not a motoring podcast topic that's Alan on the subject of, of product design and the people that get held up as being iconic and you look at it and you suck through your teeth and go "Mm, not really yeah it's good at marketing this kind of thing is not unusual his marketing shtick is good that's one of the things that's happened to you that said it does take you know once something is public it does for an organization take quite a lot of balls to say no wait we're going to stop and we're going to publicly stop this and essentially say that we failed on this idea in public and that's what they had to do here. they could have gone, well, maybe it'll work, maybe it'll work, maybe it'll work, but they didn't and and that actually is is to 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 be applauded to an extent now Andrew's going to say, yeah, but there was government money in there, and I don't know if they're going to have to pay that back now or or what I guess they, they're maybe not going to get all of it because they haven't hit particular gateways.
1: Well, they've made a very special point of saying they're still continuing to develop the technology. There was some clever yeah. phrases put in the caveats which make me think, ah, so we've managed to keep most of the government funding.
0: Oh, they will do. It, it, once once again, it's something else that he doesn't shy away from.
1: Yeah, what I'm properly angry about way. is that he screwed over many, many people on this. He's brought them in on a, on a project that, with the amount of money he put in, was never going to succeed. It was never going to succeed – Unless he wanted to do perhaps almost Tesla manner of trying to find money at the last second and get very cute about how they do the marketing and things like that. and Because people were trying to compare him to Tesla, this Dyson project to Tesla, which I think was unfair. I will grant them that. I will grant them that very much. But uh, there was was no way this was going to succeed. And to have uprooted people and to have convinced them that it could succeed when they didn't have a chance... I think is rubbish, and uh, he he deserves no credit for that at all.
0: Don't forget that many of those people. Hang on a minute, uh, many of those people who are quite senior will they will either either there will have to be some form of some form of 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 separation pay if they were actual employees, but they're more likely that they were there in a on a sort of semi freelance basis, and this will be the contract cut short. So therefore, there will have to be compensation paid for the, the shortness of contract. Mm. So d- d- they won't be wondering, that, you know. Oh, people are not turned folk, out on the street. Those folk will I not understand be sitting that. out on the, turned out on the street. But it, you're right, it, it it's upsetting. But that's what happens with this kind of project anyway, be it a car project or any other sort of engineering project along these lines. So if the people taking part were that senior and well-known, then they would have, would have known that people would have seen how how these industries work this one was just more public than than it normally is so you you know i'm i'm sad for them because they will have had something that they well they may may well have loved they've loved cut short and that's always sad because you don't see something through to completion but uh, i don't believe they will lose out from I think it's unlikely they will lose out from a financial point of view, unless they they made a bit of a bit of a mess of contracts and stuff like that, or they've been working at risk or something like that.
1: There will be the engineers and stuff as well. There will be the engineers and stuff. I mean, it's it's all right for the senior ones.
0: It will be cheaper to pay them than to raise – raise. yeah, that, well, that that's true too. As I say, it's cheaper to pay people than it is to put up with the publicity that you'll get.
1: Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to something that, that is remotely positive about somebody actually buying something.
0: <sighs> uh, Toyota has acquired Inchcape Fleet Solutions. Inchcape is, well, it's just outside the top 10 of the UK's top 10 uh, leasing companies with over about 20,000 cars and light commercial vehicles leased uh, here in the UK. Uh, What's interesting about this is that Inchcape PLC it's by the way it's not the full um i just misspoke actually it's not the full car retailing chain that we think of as indicated it is purely the leasing part of it yep. is now going to be part of toyota fleet mobility europe what's interesting about this is that it actually means that toyota will have a Multi-brand leasing companies.
1: Yes, yeah, the first—it's the first time they're going to have this, isn't it? In, in they're Europe. not
0: limited to just Toyotas. Yeah, so it's yeah. that is that isn't just Toyota or, Le- or Lexus, uh, and that's what's uh, that's what's interesting about this.
1: Yeah, because that because that really ties into their their push for being a, a mobility brand rather than just a car manufacturer, which is, mm. you know, I mean that is the the focus of the the mobility division. But the entire company is mm-hmm. looking at becoming a mobility provider, so this is one of those steps on the way. Because I can imagine at some point that they say they get into doing ride sharing. If mm-hmm. they've got a a company that sources vehicles of all brands, that would surely help them somewhat rather than having to go to someone else. Exactly. Yeah, it, make, it makes it makes so a lot no, of sense. And you know, they don't fill every single
0: le- every single niche available, so it does make a lot of sense as a business. Yeah. Speaking of not so much leasing, though, but yes. PCPs. <laughs> T- talking of finance. <laughs> talking of finance. I keep wondering what Fiat Chrysler automobiles are doing, uh, cracking down on these, but it's the Financial Conduct Authority.
1: <laughs> I know. That's what I was going to say as well. The uh, FCA, financial <laughs> Financial Conduct Authority, has decided that they are going to ban the ability for, for retailers or brokers to earn staged commission, apparently, which is they get a commission tied into what interest rate the, the customer ends up going for when it comes to leasing, PCP, whatever, you know, whatever finance they go through for their vehicle. So obviously, they get pushed for higher finance, de- fi- higher interest rates. Therefore, the person who is Seen as the seller of this gets a nicer bonus than if they got the market rate, and funnily enough, the FCA's turned around and gone. This is unfair.
0: How on earth could anyone put that kind of that kind of commission structure in place and not expect it to be misused in this way? No, it's you only do it because you want to screw folk, it don't mm. you? I mean that. Really, there is no good reason why you would why you would do this. That it's 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 a horrible,
1: nasty thing to do. It's horrible. It is, as you say, it is it is horrific. If if we're wrong on this, do tell us. Yeah, genuinely, because we're we're obviously missing something in the retail side of things that we we just don't know about. And as we always say on this show, we are actually very curious and nosy, and we would like to understand better. So if we're wrong, tell us, and we will hmm. correct ourselves on the next show or whenever you tell us. Just to say that they're going to consult on the pr- uh, proposed new rules until January the 15th, 2020, before implementing them at some point during next year. So they've still got plenty of time to push this through if they are an unscrupulous seller. <laughs> but I would imagine now that anyone going to them, uh, anyone going to a seller and saying, okay, what are all my options when it comes to interest rates, please? <laughs>
0: And the thing is, you don't—you obviously don't have to take the one that the, the garage is offering. You can no. you can go independently and you can go to a third party. So, so, oh, heck, come on. Listeners to the Motoring Podcast know that. I'm sorry. Um, the problem is people who don't listen to the Motoring Podcast.
1: How dare they not for not doing that?
0: <laughs> I know. But you know what I mean? Is It's just make sure friends and family aren't getting dragged into that, please, folks. Because mm-hmm.
1: um, yes. that's, that's pretty nasty. Take us back in time, Alan. And the future at once.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's this kind of weird steampunk existence Uh, that was pointed out to us. uh, It's Morris Commercial, as a brand, is back. So essentially what's happened is a a group of British investors have bought the Morris Commercial uh, name, and they're using it to to start remanufacturing the Morris J-Type van. So it's like one of the first sort of cab-over type designs, but instead of there being a a traditional, an internal combustion engine there, then it's actually a modern, it's not even modern, it's an EV. It's it's going to be an electric van, that's going to be... Now, the pictures are just really silhouettes, so it's very hard to tell exactly what it's going
1: to be like in the details. Because it's a modern interpretation, they say, on their official website, which I won't link to because there are some... uh, uh, Because it, it talks about how they look at cookies and you can't opt out of cookies even though they say you can but so i'm not linking to the site i'm linking to the top gear article yeah, which has the same pictures on it looks like
0: it's going to be really quite cool uh, i hope it's a success i would like to see it of course in more than just in silhouette form but it i think it there is a space there for it to be a really cool thing
1: i mean it looks like one of those the, the little brief very brief details we can see. It looks like a perfect vehicle to be made into a hipster mobile coffee thing. But also, I think a funky, old-fashioned looking van doing local deliveries whilst not producing any pollutants is a cracking idea, if hmm. it can be made to work. I mm, don't know yet. Let's let's see some more details. Let's hear some more things from the company. Yeah, the one thing that's making me question this is that...
0: Uh, and, and this is, and I'm quoting directly from Top Gear website here, is apparently the body of the JE is made completely from carbon fiber, making it one of the lightest light like, commercial vehicles on the market. What this does for potential purchasing costs will be interesting to find out. And, and I think that nails it. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's like many of these electric van startups we see. We see there's that one that, you know, was supposed to be in conjunction with Royal Mail that looked like that sort of red custom yeah, yeah. pat van. Yeah. That was all that kind of rounded rounded brick look it's really cool, but then doesn't there are announcements, but then you we never see anything so I'm hoping it becomes more than that because it's quite disappointing really
1: yeah and I think that's a it is a mega market waiting to be exploited with the number of cities that are planning to introduce ultra low emission zones and things like that and as we constantly say whenever we talk about air quality is good air quality is a nice, wonderful thing that we should all have. Yes, we are not objecting to that.
0: <laughs> the electric delivery, the fully electric delivery van thing. I know people say, oh, well, what's so big about that? You had milk floats before, and that's very true. But I think that a modern, better interpretation of that is an idea that, that must be about to happen. Yeah, We can't be far away from it because yep. there is finally a demand for it. Yes, absolutely. And there is finally the technology. So there's the combination of the two we've got to only be, you
1: know. Well, there's also legislative pressure as well. So there's like three oh, yeah. three points pushing on this central issue.
0: Three external drivers for change.
1: Yep. If I want to go into work mode. Yes. yes. Right. Let's move on to how the Transport Select Committee who we thoroughly love on this show, oh, I do particularly, have stated that they want to, and quote, start a national debate, close quote, about how we all need to start paying per mile for road usage. This is, uh, it's been 10 years, I believe, since the last time this was properly brought forward and discussed. It's now got to the point where there are more vehicles that are exempt from fuel duty and um, fuel duty and vehicle excise duty and therefore mm-hmm. people are looking ahead and going hang on we're going to be short of cash for the roads there's lots of questions about how much of the road uh, the excise duty and uh, fuel duty actually went onto the roads but that's another conversation <laughs> with the changes in vehicles and the pressure from legislation and the pressure from uh, cities and stuff like that then uh, this is something that has been bubbling along, but I think the Transport Committee basically want to get us acclimatized to the fact that this is going to happen. Buckle up, everyone, and get used to it.
0: It's going to have to happen.
1: Yes, it, it is because if if you go under the current rules, then obviously there will be less and less vehicles available to to offer any money forward, and they, there is a limit to how much the people who still do have a, a internal combustion engine can actually pay. As well, yeah. there's a couple of quotes in here towards the end of this auto car article that will make us all laugh in a not funny way. But they 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 talk about how it isn't about pricing drivers off the road. It apparently it's about making sure that as many people as possible have a say in future plans, so we can manage the changes to come. Yeah, because we've all been involved in well, that's all these bottom, changes. Yes, that is absolutely. Absolute the thing garbage. is
0: the thing is though that, that people like you Andrew who don't do ridiculous miles as a matter of course th- this this benefits you this kind of thing should benefit you for me it will it will hit me because I do quite a lot of miles this is early this is gathering requirements and feelings and they're not saying we are going to implement this on this date. Oh, no, I know that. This is actually going out and saying, well, what's, well, what are the challenges? How could it be? You know, what are the kind of ways it could be done? How could this happen? And they're not saying, saying yeah, yeah, we just need a as they are with other stuff, we just need a system in place in the next six months or in the next five years or anything. It's not that. This is This is longer term thinking. They haven't even launched the investigation. They're intending on doing that early next year.
1: Just wouldn't it be nice if they did actually try and be transparent and open and tell us all and keep us all involved instead of instead of it just not happening like that and then it then it feels like then it then feels like that it is oh you've got six months get adjusted to this I know we we look out for this stuff so we spot it earlier but a, a, a few things feel like that don't they so. Hopefully hopefully this will be done right. And as you say, the people who, who drive less will be better off and the people who drive more will have to pay more. But maybe there's a way around that.
0: So I like this idea because it should be fairer. Yes, should be. The trouble is, to be fairer means you charge me more. I lose out as a result of mm. its fairness. Mm. Yeah, I remember back in the nice days when I paid £30 a year road tax on a diesel Yaris because it emitted nothing. And yet, did 20 odd thousand, thousand miles a year. It was awesome value. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Those days have long gone, sadly. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I, but they're telling us they haven't even started the investigation. Let's not get our knickers in a twist till we see what's happening. But I, I'm glad they're thinking about this without saying we're definitely going to do this.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you. I hope it is a sign of it being approached properly. Yes. So
0: if this is a positive, this is good. Speaking of things that are going to have to change, miles per gallon, uh, how are we going to do it? How are we going to, how are we we going to deal with it? Well, parkers have come up with miles per pound, uh, which is a great way of, well, it's a way, uh, of being able to compare fuel costs. Because nowadays, how do you work out what the the costs are between petrol and diesel and EVs and fuel cell vehicles and all the spread in between so this is what they're going to introduce and they announced it a couple of weeks ago now first of october but the idea is that they'll go through and they'll work out uh, it it is a directly comparable figure so instead of having watt hours per mile or kilowatt hours per hundred kilometers or any of these things then they're trying to say look this this is a, a figure that Parkers are going to quote you, which can be compared against the others. <laughs> I think that they missed out on a trick, because miles per pound is pretty meaningless. I, I know no, it's not pretty meaningless. I'm sorry, before I get lynched for that. Miles per pound is is there and it's it's good, but the trouble is it's the inverse of how it should be. Because when we come along to those of us who are able to claim mileage and and these kind of things come along to do it, then the way the government figures are put in place, then it's in the number of it's essentially pounds per mile. It's 0.45 pounds per mile mm-hmm. is the mildest thing. So I actually think they've got it the wrong way around. The trouble I can understand why they haven't done it the other way around. It's because you end up with quite a small number. So maybe the spread isn't as obvious as it is when you you invert it. The way I would get around that is I would make it pounds per hundred miles. And then you start to get something which is directly relatable to, to things like uh, litres per 100 kilometres, which is a far more far more sensible measure, actually, than miles per gallon. So I think I love the idea of it. I think it's really, really good. I just wouldn't have done it that way. And I'm not dissing okay. it. I'm just trying to explain why I would have done it the other, the other way around.
1: Out of interest, do the top 10 from the SMMT figures. And by the way, Parkers, it's not best-selling cars. It's... New car registration figures. Yes, if we get told off for that, you should get told off for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, quite, quite right. So, if I go through the top ten, so I'll start at the top. So, a Ford Fiesta is six point nine miles per pound, somewhere between six point nine and ten point one miles per pound. A Golf is five point six to nine point nine. A Focus is five point nine to ten point eight. So, in some ways, a Focus, might a top spec Focus, is better value than a top spec Fiesta. There you go. Corsair is 6.5 to 7.7. Ooh. Cascade 6. What, what, what are you doing That's at? quite a small range. Uh, Cascade is 6.7 to 9. Hmm. Uh, and A-class is 5.8 to 10.8. A Polo six point seven to nine point three. A Cougar is four point nine to seven point eight. Mini Hatch is six point seven to eight point five. And a Kia Sportage is five point four to eight point five. So there's a fair old variance in there. A Ford Cougar could could only get you half as far per pound as a Ford Fiesta. Mm. It's that big a difference. And even within those single range, look at something like the A Class. There, you can either go five point eight miles or ten. miles, I guess, depending on which model it is. So it's quite a significant difference there. What I haven't worked out, right at the minute, by the way, it's only available for cars on sale from 2017, where there is WLTP data. And is it purely fuel costs? It does cover purely fuel costs. It, it doesn't cover depreciation or any of that. So there are multiple factors to be taken into consideration.
1: No, it's it's it's, it's trying to be a replication for miles per gallon because that's very tricky when it comes to electrified mm. vehicles, isn't it?
0: To give you an idea to compare it, let's take a Volkswagen e-Golf. We'll get you 30.8 miles per pound and an i3 will get you 30 miles per pound. So the top 10 most efficient EVs, Generally, about three times, at least three times, will take you at least three times further per pound than most of the stuff that's in the top top 10 SMMT reg figures. Yep. Interesting. Interesting one. I think it's an interesting solution to a problem which is which is growing and growing and growing and it is, is becoming more of a pest for, for new and used car buyers, to be honest.
1: Yep. I agree.
0: Brilliant. That takes us to guilt minute, everyone. Well, past halfway through the show, I hope. I think. That point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the Motoring Podcast is worth to you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button on the front page. If you're already a patron, then thank you very much. Of course, we understand that not everyone has the ability to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all that, then you truly are wonderful. How about accosting a friend who you think would enjoy this and telling them all about us? Also, if you don't subscribe to the show, how about doing so for free using a free podcast player? That way, the next episode of the show will come straight to you. We'll be sitting there in your pocket within half an hour of it being released normally uh, without any of that anxiety and worry that you'll miss out on
1: our wonderful dulcet tones <laughs> oh formula e's been busy on the first day of testing uh
0: they have well first of all first of all neo the new neo 333 team uh, who have a fantastic livery by the way i love it nice and bright and unfussy and it's going to be cracking yep they've announced that ma Hua will be returning to formula e after a couple of years out uh, and he'll be he'll be joining uh, Oliver Turvey at the team. Chinese driver who races an Alfa Romeo in World Touring Cars uh, has been allocated the seat by the new owner of Neo, which is called Brilliance in Excellence. And yes, they are Chinese. Just in case you uh, you didn't guess from a name like that. Yes, it looks great. There's been loads of testing going on. Lots of stuff happening. Their first testing is happening. Some people are being quicker than others. Sandbird was fastest on the first day of testing. And yeah, lots and lots of coverage, by the way, E-racing 365. Um, they don't sponsor us or anything like that. We just think that they are, funnily enough, the best source of this kind of stuff. Absolutely. They haven't just made their print version. And they don't have a print version that they've just made cost significantly more
1: yeah, than quite. anyone would
0: ever Reiki pay. <laughs>
1: Right, moving on to the designer's mood board. And it is the news that It-Al Design, or however you're pro- supposed to pronounce it properly. Have you just uh, really that? It, al Design. <laughs> Bloody hell. No, I'm just joking on it because so many people call it It-Al. I'm, I'm just making yeah. sure. No, it's not my dreadful pronunciation for a change. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was just checking. But Ital uh, Design has actually appointed the ex-Audi designer, Carsten Monajan as head of design. He has replaced uh, Filippo Perini, who left and joined Genesis, which is part of the High Ender brand, at their advanced design studio in Europe, um, where he is their chief designer. Monajan joined Itale Design from Audi in 2012, where he, before that, he was in various different branches of the VW Group's uh, design studios. I'm going to be interested to see what he comes up with because this, he was very much around when it was uh, the VW Group was uh, of a more constrained design language. So let's see if that gets translated to uh, Hmm. how Itale Design do their their concept cars and the, and the work that they do. Nice quick one in designers mood board. Exactly.
0: I'm to the quick one for lunchtime read lunchtime read. I, it comes from, from Cilodrome, uh which is a gasoline culture magazine, uh, who actually, they're actually quite good. Uh, and they, they write interesting stuff. And this one is all about uh, a vehicle I heard of lots when I was little, uh, and I blame Blue Peter for this kind of thing, uh, and then completely disappeared. And for years, I, I never really knew what happened. Uh, but it's the story of the Africa. Uh, so I don't know if you remember, there was a Channel Four documentary which followed them trying to go from uh, the North Cape to the Equator in these strange-looking, slightly strange-looking plywood-built vehicles. There was a there was a, a six-wheel. Uh, two-wheel drive version there was a a soft top two-wheel drive version and there was a hard top two-wheel drive version that that went to do that um, to do that trip well this is an excellent uh, it's an excellent story it's about 12 minutes to read it It says all about that what happened just generally what what happened around africa in general why it failed uh, all these kind of things and and also Lots of stuff about the, the the cars and 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 how they went together. I, I think it's one of those automotive experiments in this case from the early '80s, which which get forgotten about, but where actually the the thinking behind them uh, was was really good. The, the closest thing that we've seen recently in in recent memory is is of course the um, Gordon Murray Ox.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what leapt to my mind uh, when I when I was reading through this article. There was, it is a great read as well, everybody. Uh, please do go read it. Um, it, it is the, the ethos behind it was trying to make an affordable car that anyone with just sort of average mechanical skills could maintain and keep going and would be able to traverse the... <laughs> road networks and inverted commas of africa at the time and and still you know they, they yeah. have large sways that are not well paved like we have over here so uh it, it just screamed of that to me um by the way uh, anyone to do with the ox vehicle we are still available for testing uh anytime you like if you just give us a shout on the motoring podcast that was that was really desperate at the end there but yeah anyway i, I thought that was a particularly good uh, lunchtime read Yep, it was it was a good choice, that. Love so, list of the week, Andrew. List of the week. Okay, going from something that was a good idea to some things that are perhaps not the greatest ideas. And this is the world's most weirdly wonderful car options. And this is from Autocar. And there are some absolute humdingers on here. And some of them show that they were born of a time. For example the the first option you get is that there is a record player playing 45s in your car, in car which obviously we now think of in car music as the norm so yes it just wasn't a practical medium i think was basically the problem there uh we, there are there's 18 slides here i'm not going to run through them all um i will uh pick out of of particular note it is the the stars illuminated headliner, and no, they got in no, a no, no, the Range Rover event seating, which looks like it's oh, yeah. actually for a specialist <coughs> website uh, <laughs> of of certain persuasions, uh, rather than people sitting out the back of their tailgate. <laughs> there's lots of there's lots it's of, sort of yes. metal I think those and leather are meant to be- and stuff. <laughs>
0: It, it's almost a Aston Martin hand, handcuffs isn't it? Yes,
1: quite. Um, uh, yes. I quite like the ramp for the older dog uh, that was in the Honda Element. Yes, that was the Honda Element. But I like the Honda Element. We've talked about I'm sure we've talked about the Fiat 500 Lavazza espresso machine. I'm sure you've had this. We have, yes, yes, I thought we had. Yes. And there's things like heated armrests in a Mercedes S-Class. I've always laughed about the the JLR Activity Bracelet, uh, or whatever it was called. <laughs> but there's a, there was also a, an open on minis, the Mark II mini-convertibles that yeah. told you how long you kept your roof open for. Which is
0: bizarre, because mini-convertibles are one of those cars that no matter how nice the day is, the roofs are always up. Yes. They're, they're one of those cars. The way, where it did why bother yeah my, my one for here by the way is the Porsche 911 leather air vents slats
1: yes, yes.
0: It's, <laughs> is a particular is a particular pet hate of
1: mine yes let's let's move on to the hand finally
0: <laughs> well the hand finally doesn't get that much better to be honest uh, it is of course uh, Oktoberfest in Munich uh, and it's worth mentioning that in Germany uh, e-scooters are viewed as being a full-fledged proper vehicle. And therefore, uh, if you are caught using an e-scooter under the influence, for example, you've been at a large beer drinking festival, and are using it to wobble your way back to you back to your hotel or to your home, uh, and you get stopped by the police, and you're drunk, then, or you are over the alcohol limit, then there you go, there goes your driving license, despite the fact that you were doing three miles an hour. Wobbling along pavement.
1: Yeah, the the actual stats for this are quite interesting, weren't they? They were, if I could find them. Well, there was there was two hundred. There was four hundred and fourteen people were pulled over by the police while e-scooting. scootering and fifty-four of them lost their licenses. Under the influence. Yes, two hundred and fifty-four yeah. lost their licenses, and the fact there were three hundred and sixty people were pulled over. For driving a car under the suspicion of being drunk. 215 of them lost their licenses. So it's caught an awful lot of people who didn't realise that e-scootering whilst drunk was an issue. <laughs> and they are now taking public transport. Yeah.
0: They did a number of things here so that they uh, so that if you if you took an e-scooter to Oktoberfest, then they had a, a way of, of, of making it of sort of geofencing it. So that you had to leave your e-scooter outside. And you also had to... uh, You were forced to stay logged into your scooter hire app. So it was still your scooter. So you couldn't just abandon the scooter Mm. and wander off and just just leave it. So it all had to be moved around. You were still responsible for that scooter um, during the period you were at Oktoberfest. So there were lots of bits and pieces to try and basically Mm. stop these these mobility devices being a public nuisance on the way through and to make sure people were responsible for them uh, and therefore looked after them, used them, put them away properly, uh, which I think is, is quite interesting. Yep. I'm in Zurich tomorrow night. The uh, The only place I've ever been where people line up all the e-scooters and all the, the, the loan bikes in perfect lines rather than just – Pull them across the pavement, which is what seems to happen uh, in every other European city I visit, which has them. That's more a comment on people who live in Zurich, I think. That rounds it up for this week, doesn't it?
1: It does indeed.
0: Any parish notes this week, Andrew? Uh,
1: let's 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 discuss it offline because there are options. Okay, brilliant. Uh so yes,
0: there is the option that you might get a you might get one of a number there, there, you of will get
1: something of, to listen to, but we are we haven't yet to confirm exactly what it is you will listen to.
0: <laughs> I know that there's about I know that there's at least three things recorded. That's what it is, it's the other way. It's it's not the normal way around. Uh, we are actually ahead of it uh, right at the minute. Yes. Anyway, between now and the next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about Patreon, uh, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, what's the best way for
1: people to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and not comment about all the delays and talking over each other because they won't be any the wiser, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: (laughs) Well, he's hoping they won't. Yes, Twitter, as ever, where I'm at AJPBradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back next week, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.